This is Marissa Schaefer here with Dancewell Podcast, and today we release the first episode in a series of five that will air throughout the month of May, unpacking the topic of recovering from injury. True to our mission, we'll explore this topic from a variety of different angles. We'll start this week with actor-dancer-singer Mikey Winslow as he details his journey from recovering from a total hip replacement and returning back to Broadway, where he is now performing in Hamilton. Next week, we'll hear from a physical therapist at Westside Dance Physical Therapy and a soloist from New York City Ballet talk about what to expect when recovering from an injury. Following, we'll hear from a social worker at the Actors Fund on the psychological barriers encountered during recovery, and then we'll finish the month with two more dancer perspectives on recovery. Hope Boykin of Alvin Ailey American Dance Theater will chat with us about her ankle injury, and our friends from Conversations on Dance podcast, Rebecca King-Ferraro and Michael Sean Breeden, will talk about injury and injury culture in the ballet world. So tune in every Wednesday this month to hear the next episode. We hope you'll learn something from our insightful crew. So without further ado, here's our first episode with Mikey Winslow from Surgery and Back to Broadway, A Dancer's Perspective. Enjoy. Hello, I'm Marissa Schaefer, and I'm here with Dancewell Podcast, and today I'm lucky enough to have Mikey Winslow with me uh, to talk a little bit about his experience with injury, so welcome, Mikey. Thank you, Marissa. Happy to be here. Thank you. Uh, So let's have you start by just briefly telling us a little bit about yourself. Sure. Uh, My name is Mikey. I grew up in Michigan, Grand Rapids to be specific. I moved to New York almost 10 years ago. in June in 2009. So yeah, we're, we're almost there. Um, I've been dancing on Broadway for basically the last decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was in West Side Story, American Idiot. I toured with Wicked for a couple years. Um, I came back, I did On the Town, and I was in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Nice. Um, and I most recently joined the Broadway company of Hamilton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's quite the resume. It's doing all right. Yeah, good shows. Um, okay, so as I mentioned, Mikey's here to talk to us about his injury and like his kind of injury journey, so to speak. So can you start by telling us a little bit about your, your injury history? Sure. So um, as an infant, well, not even an infant, as in like a developing Newborn. fetus, yeah. I, um, my left leg never moved. It was stuck behind my head, mm-hmm. um, which basically is a layman's way of saying I had hip dysplasia, which mm-hmm. is really common in golden retrievers, I found out. Yes, it um, is, actually. <laughs> yeah. Ours had hip dysplasia. Oh, oh. Bilateral. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. Keep no, going. No, no, it's all right. Um, so when I was born, they w- I basically didn't have a left hip socket at mm-hmm. all. They weren't sure if I was going to be able to walk. They did a couple procedures. Um, then they ended up doing a surgery where they cut all the musculature in my hip, cranked me out to 180 degrees turnout, and then put me in a body cast for six months or so I'm a little when you were an infant when I was an infant yeah Um, the cast came off and then I had traction on my crib and my stroller little one pound weights to move my legs around Mm -hmm. Um, and it worked so by the time I was you know three or four I had a pretty normal hip as far as structure goes Um, and from there on in it was just normal I played a lot of soccer Mm -hmm. and I started dancing when I was about seven and I didn't really have any issues with my hip until I was in late high school. And then I started to notice just some uh, mobility range wasn't that great and stiffness in the left leg, in the left hip in general. Um, But nothing that ever was really plaguing me. Um, Then once I got to college, um, I guess like later on in my college career, I started to notice some times where I was having real issues with my other leg. 
for overcompensating. Mm -hmm. That was kind of like the first time that it started to click that something was perhaps different or something that I was dealing with wasn't just going to be normal run-of-the-mill dancer issues. Mm. Um, um, but I just kind of kept on. I've sort of been a workhorse, I guess, right. um, you know, and I just pushed through and pushed through and pushed through until finally I find myself where I am like a year ago, really unable to do anything anymore, um, whether that's walking, sleeping, dancing I was in a lot of pain and I finally had the right people tell me like there might actually be something going on here and let's do so let's figure it out mm. I find um, like the power of the mind to be pretty incredible um, and to kind of I think that it has the capability of masking a lot of pain and discomfort like what was there a moment for you where you you kind of came to this realization that like oh my gosh I really can't do all these things and my pain is really limiting me or did you kind of feel it creep up I felt it creeping up yeah um, I I guess I found myself there was there was a there was a day there was a day I was doing a show called American Dance Machine mm -hmm. a couple years ago mm -hmm. um, and we were in rehearsal we were doing the turkey lurkey uh -huh. actually and <laughs> there are these like you know, I don't even know what you call it, but you swing your left leg from like parallel to turned out with a bent knee. Yeah. And I felt I felt something not right in right. that moment. It was like a, it went too far. And from that day on, there was a pain that I hadn't had that was enough to make me really be like, I don't know how many more. I don't know how many more jelly beans I have in my jar. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so from then on out, it was just sort of like, okay, let's find things that I can do. Let's find places that I can still perform or still do what is comes natural to me. But uh, I definitely felt myself weaning away from athletic dancing um, for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, and as I, f as I found myself in the year or so before surgery I was doing Charlie and Chocolate Factory which luckily wasn't an intense dance show mm -hmm. um, but even that I found that like the one big dance number that we had I was in serious pain every night yeah. um, and then looking at what I want to do or the people that I you know look up to in this industry and realizing like I, I don't know how I, there's a disconnect all of a sudden because how I'm feeling doesn't line up with being able to get to that place right right so then, like, what led you to get help, and like, and also, what led you to the decision to get a hip replacement? Well, I, I had seen um, an orthopede on and off for a long time for various dance injuries, right. and you know, he had looked at my hip before, um, and I had had PT for my hip just for pain, but we had never really gone deep and like looked at scans or anything. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I got a new doctor, mm -hmm. um, Dr. Bauman. Yep, wonderful guy. A wonderful guy and told him what was going on and told him the history that I had with PT and everything. And he said, well, let's just, let's figure it out. And so he sent me to get a bunch of scans and he sent me to some different specialists. Um, we got a bunch of information basically saying, you know, you've got the normal dance injuries. You've got a torn labrum. You've got a cam impingement. You've right. got bone growth. You've got all this stuff going on. You know, and most of those things are kind of run-of-the-mill for, like, one out of every three dancers, and some people can deal with it. And But they're, they're like, we need to see what's going on inside the hip socket itself. Right. So we did a 3D CAT scan, I believe, mm -hmm. um, and I was told that I had less than two millimeters of cartilage. cartilage. Um, 
separating the head of the femur from the socket and therefore I had real arthritis in my hip and that's not something that's gonna grow back so yeah. we need to look down the line as to what best options are. Mm -hmm. um, they presented me with um, arthroscopy which is mm -hmm. the which is like not a full replacement of it, right um, yeah but you know they also said this would work but you're gonna need a new hip anyways because of the cartilage um, right so why don't we start looking down that road um, and I met Dr. Davidovich mm -hmm. at NYU Langone um, and he was he seemed great he's you know he's he gave me a lot of energy and time mm -hmm. um, which felt really good I felt like I was the kind of patient he wanted to work with um, right. you know I think it's really exciting that all of a sudden young athletes and dancers are finding uh, like a this moment when there's new surgeries that are coming out that can get us back to what we want to do right. um, and so the relationship that I built with Davidovich off the bat really felt good um, and you know, he told me what I was hoping that I would hear is that, you know, I can get another 25 years out of this Fabulous. hip. Right. Um, not to mention he's who did Wendy Whelan's hip and, you know, that yeah. I had that dance magazine article, like right. whatever, <laughs> on, on my, like, <laughs> counter and would, uh -huh. like, refer to it every week and be like, okay, I'm in the right place. I'm Watch right a little place. restless creature, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I actually haven't yet oh. seen it. I need to see it. You should I, see I, it. I should certainly see it. Yes, especially given your rehab, too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so do you think your relationship, well, I, I guess I should a start by asking, like, how did you feel when they started talking to you about getting a hip replacement? Was that re upsetting to you? Was it dulled by the fact that Davidovich was an awesome, an excellent guy and et cetera? Um, it was, honestly, there was like a, there was a tinge of like, oh gosh, this is, this is very serious. Yeah. But 85 if not 95 percent of the emotion that I was experiencing was like finally someone is actually understanding that that something's been wrong yeah or, or not wrong I don't like to look at it as wrong because I don't like to think of myself as broken or whatever I'm just the way Certainly. that I was literally made um, but somebody was actually saying we see what you've been dealing with right and we can we can change that for you right um, it, it, it was I I mean I was so excited that that I actually had a possibility for um, improvement right they're they're removing the roadblock that was inhibiting you yeah. from continuing your career mm -hmm. yeah so okay so you underwent surgery mm -hmm. obviously it went okay <laughs> because here you are on Broadway again um, can you tell us a little bit about that process of rehab yeah um, rehab's not easy no no I know. so uh, <laughs> my my biggest thing I guess like sort of my, my thesis statement towards my rehab mm -hmm. is um, minute accumulation. Mm -hmm. So I I don't know where I first thought I like, had this sort of thought or patterning in my head. I think it was when I got a dog and I was like, every day with this new puppy, every day can be building towards the ideal dog, right? Sure. You know, everything you do with them, they learn. Right. So here I am being like, I have a brand new hip everything I do can be accumulating towards what I really truly want. Right. Um, and I just treated it like that and then took any other pressures off of it as much as I could because mm -hmm. um, I knew it was going to be a long road and I knew that it wasn't about looking six months ahead and yeah. like I had my goals. Right. But um, it was really about just consistency consistency Certainly. with physical therapy exercises once I was ready for that um, like mentally is, or physically 
physically ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, I felt mentally. Right? I was like, yeah. give me, give me, give me. <laughs> um, but no, physically ready for the PT exercises. Um, and I mean, that would that was sort of my my uh, everyday given structure was like I had the expectation of doing exercises of being uncomfortable of feeling weak of like being in that sort of space mm-hmm. um, and within that expectation I felt confident that Certainly. I could achieve what I needed to achieve in the day what really became difficult for me was the fear of what happens when I'm back what do you mean um, like I think it's an interesting th- I mean the dancer's life is interesting, and I think the Broadway artist's life is interesting because there's such a um, hunger for the next show. The next show validates the performer, and I and I've personally have been working against or working to try to get rid of that mentality for a long time. Mm-hmm. But I honestly didn't know what was going to happen if I was going to make it back to Broadway or not, and right. if I was going to make it back on stage at all, or right. like, am I going to be stuck trying to recover and banging on this door that's not going to reopen for me? Um, that was hard. I I got a new therapist, like uh, mental therapist, before I had the surgery. And yeah. randomly, the man that I was partnered with um, used to be a Broadway dancer. Ah. And now he's transitioned into being a therapist. So yeah. it was a perfect fit. And we were able to discuss all those things, which I think is so which was so important for me to be able to like yeah. express the fears and, and talk about it in a way that wasn't making me feel like the fear was lessening my worth as a performer as the performer I was or the performer that I'm going to be um, but that was scary uh, you know I I stayed away from the dance studio for quite a long time in mm-hmm. my recovery I did a ton of yoga um, which I personally I mean like that's part of my life anyways but I liked having the control of it's just what I'm doing and the slow movement of it as opposed to like you know finding poses and then sitting into it and feeling how my body was adjusting or mm-hmm. trying to become more aware of what my body was going through mm-hmm. um, felt much more comfortable than moving through space at that point yeah um, because granted like we got my my gait figured out very quickly but that didn't mean that it wasn't taking energy and a lot of exactly. thought to make the gait work so the thought of like just doing a bar class was you know that's, that's so many so things to be thought. considering, <laughs> yeah. you know. Um, what I ended up doing, I'm trying to remember how this worked out. I was so, I was so nervous about dancing again and getting in the audition room again mm-hmm. um, that I found myself acting out of fear almost. That yeah. I, I was choosing to put other things into my life. Like I'm going to, I'm going to join this uh, two-year acting program. And that would completely right. derail me from getting back on stage anytime in the near future. Right, it's like a safety blanket. But it was a safety blanket. Mm-hmm. And then that choosing that took the pressure off of you got to be able to dance again. Right. Which got me into an audition to feel okay. And I went in for uh, the chorus line that they did at City Center. Uh-huh. And I was like, I mean, I guess, you know, Here zero to go. 60. I haven't danced yet, but let's go do a chorus <laughs> line. Why not? Um, Good luck. And I was really amazed at like how well my leg worked. Right. Um, because I had been doing all this physical therapy and I had strength that I hadn't really put to the test yet. Right. Um, so that was a pretty huge day because I realized, oh, I still am relevant as a dancer. Right. Um, I still have 
my personality as a move as a mover you don't forget that no right yeah but it's 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 a hard thing to remember when you're not in that space and you or and for me i was perceiving all these people contemporaries of mine or the you know the new broadway class coming in and all the amazing things they're doing right i gotta take my spot yeah don't take my spot oh that's so tricky though you gotta toss this in there yeah i was talking talking about that don't take my spot idea and my therapist said Mikey, someone passed you the torch when you got here. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's time to pass the torch. It doesn't mean you're done, but know that that is like a movement, a give and take in life. And I had never thought about it before. You know, I think I got out here with such a drive and I, I was aware that there are other people doing it, but I wasn't really in consideration. I, I knew there would be other people doing it, but I was sure of my place in the world. Mm-hmm. But it's real. Like someone someone passed me the torch you know in that metaphoric way and i am happy to be able to do that again and to have the wherewithal to see that that doesn't mean that the career is over it just means that like i'm not 23 anymore so i'm no. not going to be jumping in flying through the air and like right. no news when i you. really let that sink in i don't want to be doing that anymore because right. it's not you moved it's into not a different sphere yeah right um, there's a lot of room for growth within like being a Broadway dancer. Yeah. Right? In terms of mentally, physically, what you embody when you're on stage, like the complexities of the shows that you're in. Mm-hmm. So it's just a different stage. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to remember where I was going. Oh, so basically, I realized. Oh, right. Here, 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 yeah. It's good. Uh-huh. Um, so <laughs> yes. realized, like, okay, I, ca- I can still dance and I still want to dance. I still have a desire to do this. I'm still scared about it. Um, and. I knew there were two very large projects coming up this mm-hmm. in the, like last fall and this this year that I was really interested in being a part of. Um, one being the West Side Story movie that's mm-hmm. being made. Mm-hmm. I was in the revival. I identify so hard as a Jet, um, not for the hateful reasons, obviously, but right. it's like that's like what I cut my teeth on. Right. And I, you know, I'm not going to be part of that. And that's okay. I passed the torch. I'm so happy to see what's going to happen. But, like, Mm -hmm. that audition was coming up as well as this Fosse TV show. Mm. And so West Side happened, and I was like, all right, you know, I'll figure that out and whatever. And and then the Fosse thing happened, and I got to callbacks, and I found myself in this room of dancers, and I looked around, and I thought, like, what am I doing in this room? Because this is, like... Twilight dancers and so you think dancers and and ABT people and like the best of the best and all the people who I've spent my life dancing with Mm -hmm. but I hadn't ever seen I hadn't ever like really zoomed out to see what the room looks like when I felt a part of it Mm -hmm. Um, and so here I was in this room dancing with those people and then I got cut and I was you know I was really bummed and upset because I wasn't dealing with rejection well at all I was fearful of what my career was going to be or what my return could be or could not be. Could not be, right. And I left that that callback pretty upset and I thought, this is if you're going to, if you want to do this, you have to do this and like this is energy, not just emotion, so go to ballet class. Go find a basic ballet class, Mm -hmm. which I did. I went to basic ballet at Broadway Dance Center starting that day and in that class, there I was with a bunch of actors who like it's a class four actors who right. need to like learn how to move right and, and the teacher very quickly noticed like you know 80 percent of my body was working really fine and i have nice shapes and i've got great balance and i've got presence and all this stuff right and i saw her clocking me and i almost got uncomfortable because i was like oh i'm she 
she, she expects thinks more. I'm not supposed to be in this space or like what mm-hmm. am I doing in this class mm-hmm. and then I had the realization I was like there's a large portion of my body that is struggling in this room right and the rest of my body was nailing it in the room with X Y and Z dancers this morning right that duality is where I am as a dancer right now right and that moment was what actually like saved saved me because it, yeah I was able to look compassionately at my situation and see not Certainly. just the lack of mobility, lack of ability. I was able to compile it with who I am and what I am as a dancer, and that started to bring in a notion of my past and my personality and all the things that have built me up. Right. Um, and so, yeah, having that compassion and r- like honest view of what was happening. Mm-hmm. Um, you say honest, and I say like a ton of perspective like the fact that you were able to step back takes a lot of practice I think that personally I've only found being in therapy yeah for a while oh it's so hard it's so hard to do but I think it's so important I mean there's been so many times in my life where I've really had to intentionally zoom out when Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel right or it doesn't feel like it's gonna happen but if I don't zoom out then I get stuck I get stuck because right. I'm just staring at something that's too close and I can't figure out what can't it is. Can't see the whole picture. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that also gives you like resilience. Yeah. It allows you to be able to come back again and again. Totally. Yeah. It gives you choice. You know, I mm. think when you zoom out, you have the ability for agility. Yes. Um, and, and, and agility gives you options of how you want to react and how you want to deal. And you can take something that was a scary thing and turn it into an empowering thing. Right. Right. Um, so it sounds like your therapist psychologist, Mm -hmm. social worker, whomever, um, was an imperative part of your rehab process. um, And obviously you went to physical therapy. Like who else was part of that rehab team? You can include your mom and your dad in there too. Um, My mom and my dad, my girlfriend, my family. um, I had some very close friends who stuck by me. You know, Mm -hmm. it was an interesting time because especially right after the surgery, Mm -hmm. um, I kind of, it tested some relationships. And, you know, I... Because I was, my parents came and stayed with me for like the first five days. And then after that, I was back on my own, which is absolutely fine. I was so gracious to have them. Certainly. Um, but I could, couldn't really go out. And I, and I really needed people, people. around because yeah. I was just, I was still freaked out. Yeah. Um, and I was supposed to, one of my best friends was supposed to hang out with me. And then like the day of, he, he's like, oh, hey, uh, blah, blah, blah. Someone came into town and I, I just can't be there. And. And so the next time I saw him, I was like, look, I'm telling you this because this is what you mean to me. Mm-hmm. I can't accept you bailing right now. Right. I need you to show up. And I got emotional. I like started crying. And I was like, I'm really not in a place where I can hold myself up right now. And I, I'm asking you, you as my best friend to be yeah. here so I can lean on you. Yeah. Which was a scary thing to do because I was like, if, if this freaks him out, if this vulnerability freak, yeah. you know, because like, I mean, we could talk about toxic masculinity and all that. But, um, but he heard me and he, and like he, he stayed and he showed up and, and, um, so there was a couple of friends like that, that I really told, I was like, I'm not in a place that's stable at all right now. Mm-hmm. And if you say you're going to be here, I need you. And a couple of people really showed up. Um, so that was huge. I had, uh, an acupuncturist as mm-hmm. well at my physical thera- therapy office who is wonderful. Um, yeah. she's just a total healer. Um, so that energy was great. And um in general i gotta say i social media yeah yeah i i have 
things about social media I like and I have things that I really dislike about it, but I I knew that I was going to be talking about my story mm-hmm. on social media because I think it's an important thing to people to hear about. Yeah, um, definitely. Obviously, we're here talking about yes. it. <laughs> um, I was so surprised how many people were going through something similar mm-hmm. in, in the world, in mm-hmm. the country, in the world, and how they found me because I was posting about it. And I started having, like, there was like four of us guys who were all spread out on the country who all had hip replacements on the same day who were all like wow. 30s and 40s and we had a group chat and we would just be like what are you feeling today right how much pain are you in does this suck oh my god what is your so bad. Like? <laughs> sucks so bad and um and it it was interesting because it was the opposite of competition yeah because it could have been like oh i'm feeling great today oh i walked 100 paces today like no it was like so compassionate because we all knew the fear and pain that we were all in mm-hmm. and the possibility that was ahead of us. Mm-hmm. And so it was a compassionate place to talk about the pain or the fear and and have people relate to it and empathize with it. And like having that camaraderie really gave me a, a sense of like, I can do this. I also knew that like given the, the four gentlemen that I was speaking with, I was the only one who had anterior approach. Uh-huh. So my recovery was that much faster. Right. And they didn't quite understand that there was a difference. So they were just seeing my post as this like, who is this guy that's just like flying ahead in his recovery right. and everything. Like, but we're different. But we're different. Yeah. And I kind of tried to say that. And then I realized it didn't matter about that. I was like, oh, if, they, if they're gravitating, gravitating towards my energy in this way, I can just lead by example. It doesn't have to be that we're living the exact same story. Right. But like, we all need to be having, um, we, what's the word? Oh gosh. We all need to be accountable for doing our PT because like right. that's important right. and so I can lead by example it doesn't matter that we're doing different exercises or that my range of motion is greater than yours or yeah. like we're still all intentionally doing the same things yeah so um that that small core group was really helpful in like having a foundation mm. and then also just telling the world being like I'm here posting in this story today because I need to be accountable yeah because otherwise I'm not going to do this and like I need people to know that I have to do this. Right. Because and in, and then I will. And I will. And like right. I would like to think that I could live in a vacuum and I would have done it all on my own and mm. it wouldn't have mattered, but like I don't think that's the case <laughs> at all. Think I think so. that like I needed to know that it wasn't that people were counting on me, but that people people were seeing me. And by that you know, it's a strange pressure to put on oneself because it is getting into the world of like shoulds and external right. expectations. But it was interesting to find a way to use that for my advantage. Totally. Um, in the right mindset. In the right mindset. It can be used to yeah. empower yourself and other people, obviously, because they can see your story. Yeah. Um, so then, you know, you mentioned going back to Broadway Dance Center, taking the beginning classes. You mentioned going back to rehearsal. Like how... How long did it take you to get back onto stage and f- to find your way into the kind of role you wanted to be in? Um, well, it's interesting. So 2018 was the centennial uh, year for Jerome Robbins yeah. and for uh, Leonard Bernstein. Mm-hmm. You know, fabulous gentleman that Certainly. wrote everything uh-huh. ever. Um, <laughs> so as a West Side Story person, yeah. there were all these opportunities last year to do concerts. Yeah. Um, so I was actually on stage the week before surgery doing a West Side concert, mm-hmm. um, and then I returned to do a concert three months after. 
um, that was interesting wow. because we were doing it was a concert, but we were doing the totality of G. Officer Krupke, mm-hmm. um, which is like vaudeville slapstick. Yeah, and I was in the it's role great. of action, and action takes a lot of hits and goes drops to the floor like a lot, mm. and it all happens to be on the left side. Oh, fun. So me and my physical therapist went through the video of my previous performance and said, how can we change this? How can we make it work? Um, and kind of geared some exercises towards making sure I had the strength for like a certain move here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was an interesting, interesting um, performance. I was I was very aware of the gravity of it, but I also felt very prepared and I felt safe. Um, and it was a, it was a huge day because I was with a bunch of people that, you know, I have known for the last eight, ten years, mm-hmm. um, and they knew me and my story, and they were there to witness me, and and I got on that stage, and I was like, oh my gosh, I do still want this, I do still love this, this mm-hmm. is a possibility. Mm-hmm. Granted, I was so sore after that. That was like <laughs> that that was hard. Um, but so then, yeah, so I did a couple concerts throughout the last year, but I didn't really. I don't know. You know, I would go into these ballet classes, and it was, you know, basic ballet, and so mm-hmm. it was challenging, but it, but I wasn't, you know, we weren't flying through the air. We weren't doing, like, grand days or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would go to these auditions and be like, you know, okay, I'm in an audition for an hour and a half. Cool. Or, like, I found myself in, like, a four-hour dance call, and I got through that whole day, and I was like, okay, what's going to happen tomorrow? We'll feel this out. And um, But it just, you know... I was never pushing myself in like a marathon sort of way. I would just, I was constantly staying up on my exercises and my yoga practice and my like mental um, compassion that I was, you know, trying to cultivate for myself and then allowing myself to deal with the situations that were presented to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so then basically, I mean, we don't need to the whole story of like how Hamilton happened, but <laughs> I like did about three weeks of callbacks for Hamilton in the fall. Right. Um, it all went great. Nothing mm-hmm. happened. Mm-hmm. I went back in in December um, for a callback, and then on January second, I got the call that I was cast. Right. Uh, woo. Yeah. <laughs> so that was that was extremely <laughs> rewarding, and Certainly. I happened to be home with my parents when that happened, and it was very emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it came to the point of like okay, now I'm actually doing, now I'm actually back on a schedule, not like come in and dance for a couple hours twice a week. Right. It's um, learn six tracks, yeah, eight shows a week. <laughs> and I was really uh, not apprehensive or nervous, but just uh, I had a healthy respect for the fact that it, it has to be different. We're still dealing with the law of accumulation, yeah. as I like to say. Yeah. Um, so I talked, you know, talked to my PT, got all, you know, made sure that my exercises were fresh and I had a new list of exercises. I had a bag of PT toys to play with and I just kind of came in with a much different rehearsal attitude than I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think recovery can force us to grow up a lot if it it goes in a certain way. Um, And so I came into this process a lot, I feel like a lot more mature as a performer. and knew that I had plenty to prove, but it wasn't about proving it on day one. Right. Like, um, and what I feel very, very, very lucky to be a part of Hamilton, especially for well, a multitude Multi- of reasons. Yeah. But one of the greatest things about this show is that the choreography isn't meant to be hit at 100%. Mm-hmm. It's meant to be hit 
at like a 70 or a 40 mm-hmm. um you know they say the whole show obviously looks so cool but they're like there's only like one moment in the show where you should actually be grooving yeah so like i immediately was like okay these are the lessons that i need to plug in right off the bat so that I don't ever go too hard because if I go too hard, this is going to hurt me. Mm -hmm. But if I don't, I'm actually going to be in the pocket for the show and it's going to be completely sustainable. Right. At least that's what I'm projecting. Right. Um, So, so yeah, it's been interesting and feeling even my, my rehearsal process was about just every day layering a little bit more and a little bit more, a little bit more onto what I'm doing. So, so there wasn't any spikes in energetic output or mm-hmm. all of a sudden it turned into like this athletic day right like no cumulative I, load crazies yeah, yeah totally so I just I made sure that I was I didn't just want to like overshoot I never wanted to overshoot because I knew if I overshot there would be something that I would like about it also right. it would be like oh this feels so good right and then I'd gravitate towards that and I was like no that's not what it's about just like really keep it back really keep it back and when you finally get there it's gonna feel so much richer because it doesn't need to be explosive it's packed in and built up mm-hmm. from the inside mm-hmm. um yeah so it, it's been interesting um i i find myself just just taking really good care of my body in a way that i should have been doing my entire career um <laughs> better late than never better late than never exactly um question before we move too far away from this sure. when you got into hamilton did you tell them about your hip oh yeah, yeah. they knew everybody knew um they so i'm swinging in hamilton mm-hmm. um they kind of it was interesting they're like we think this is a great place for mikey to be also because he's coming out of this injury and it won't be on stage eight shows a week Mm -hmm. and there will be you know time to rest and this and that and it can be literally like a testing right um generous of them to say that absolutely be there for you Mm -hmm. so generous and and like the team is great and i've known people in in the world and in the team for a while and i guess they you know they saw me for, they saw me, they really saw me right. as the work I was doing and the, the, um, the path you've had. Yeah. I imagine. Um, so yeah, I feel very lucky that they were willing to take that leap with me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's worked out for everybody. That's great. Yeah. So I'm hearing like so many like golden nuggets like to kind of take away. I mean, um, in so much as, you know, when recovering from injury, like being able to have a good perspective on what's going on, being able to have a good relationship to what's happening in your body, um, making sure you surround yourself with people who are going to take care of you, be that emotionally or physically, um, doing your PT exercises. (laughs) Um, but what, like what advice would you give people who are also going through injuries, um, from your perspective? Okay. So, this was told to me actually kind of recently and I think it's brilliant. Yeah. We, it was told me by a yoga teacher and she, we were talking about teaching yoga and like healing or trying to help people with injuries basically. Mm-hmm. And she said, Mikey, we can't heal anyone. People can't even heal themselves. All we can do is create space for healing to happen. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So the injured person, let's use me for example, I don't want to say I'm broken. Like, right. or there's a stigma about being broken or don't tell an injured person they're broken because you're labeling them, whatever, whatever. It's okay to be broken. If you are out, like if you're in the middle of a recovery and you're not where you want to be yet and you feel broken, don't wallow in that, but let, let that be. 
right. because you have to give the, you have to be compassionate about the fact of your reality is where you are. And if that is an emotional space, you got to give it space to flesh itself out. Um, I think I did struggle sometimes in my recovery with that idea because I was, I was having a hard time and I would try to bring it to the table with the conversation, you know, whether that was with my girlfriend or my family or, you know, a teacher or someone I'd say, you know, like I'm really struggling. And there was always this course correction of no, but you're getting there. You're going to, you're going to get there. You're doing so well. Like you can do this, which was great. And I needed those times, but I also, it's interesting. It mostly happened at physical therapy Mm. because the body is so wound up in emotion. Mm. Um, But I needed safe spaces to lose it completely. Um, And not have that be judged as a failure or a weakness Mm -hmm. or anything because it's just literally energy that has to get out. Yeah. Um, And struggle is part of it. Yeah. You can't negate that. No. Yeah. Um, There's there's a piece that I want to touch on that we haven't really questioned yet. So the couple days before the surgery, there was a really interesting thing. And I I want to bring this up because I think depending on the listener's experience, some people deal with injury for a long time before actually something gets changed. Yeah. I identified so hard with the fact that I had a abnormal hip. Mm -hmm. So it got to the point where I realized that I had pride built up inside. I had like, strength on the identification of being a dancer who is has hip dysplasia has hip dysplasia who is injured who is dealing with pain and not talking about it yeah there's a strength to that and it's you know it's sort of like it's backwards and as what i think we need to be as humans but um i had to come to terms with i was throwing away a part of my body right that identified me and all of a sudden i don't have the excuse anymore in my mind of saying well yeah you can't do that because you have a bad hip like no now i have a great hip i have a right. better hip than most people yep I, you know it doesn't mean my mobility's there but like <laughs> i don't have that crutch anymore um and that was a really tricky thing to kind of like deal with and i'm glad that i had the sort of wherewithal to start to deal with it before the actual surgery mm-hmm. happened um mm-hmm. because that was that was wild you know i asked if i, I asked if i could keep the bone yeah and they were like no you can't do that it was just, they, <laughs> they didn't even make a mold for you no i was oh, like what's there she's like you could maybe buy one on the black market and i was like i don't no. want someone else's what i would like mine head? you mm-hmm. know mm-hmm. Hi, femur. but <laughs> um but yeah just the concept of <sighs> injuries suck and they but they but they give us power if we deal with it if we press right. through which is what dancers are told to do we're told to press through or fight through you know and like dance is pain and all these things and beauty is pain and all of a sudden you're the strong person because of your pain and if you get rid of that who are you right that is an important piece of of the recovery or even of like the pre-recovery because you can't cling to something that isn't there anymore right um it was like i had this attachment to something that was very much not going to serve me anymore. Right. But there was a stubbornness to let it go because it was... It was part of you since you were born. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I think that taking the time to do that and talk about that, as silly as it sounds, maybe, or I don't know if it sounds silly, what it sounds sounds like, but like like when I went to try to talk to somebody and be like, look, I'm feeling weird because I'm throwing away a part of my body that you agree is nasty and broken, but like I also agree is like my Superman bone. Right. 
strange dichotomy. Might, yeah, and people might roll their eyes at that or like be like, well, no, you're gonna be so much better or whatever. Like, but it's okay because because it's a, it's a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Yeah, it's a huge deal. Um, thank you so much for sharing your story of with our listeners. We really appreciate it. Happy to share. Um, and I found you on social media, so I'm wondering if you could share where to find you on social media. Oh yeah, um, I'm on Instagram. Mm-hmm. My handle is Mikey Winslow. <laughs> That's M-I-K-E-Y-W-I-N-S-L-O-W. Mm-hmm. No mouses around here. <laughs> I said no. <laughs> <laughs> Not the first. It's all right. Um, yeah, Mikey Winslow on Instagram. I'm Michael Robert Winslow on Facebook. Um, please check out my stories, and um, I hope that I hope that someone is helped by this. I th- yeah. 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 You have great perspective. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. Yep. Bye. Bye. On behalf of Ellie and myself, I, Marissa Schaefer, want to say thank you to all of our listeners for joining us on this episode of Dancewell Podcast. Like what you hear? Go to Stitcher, iTunes, or SoundCloud and search Dancewell Podcast and subscribe. You can also view all of our episodes and learn more about this podcast by visiting our website at www.dancewellpodcast.com. We wouldn't be where we are without generous contributions from our listeners. Your contributions help pay for our SoundCloud membership, website fees, upgrades, and our recording technology. If you too would like to make a contribution to DanceWell, please follow the link in the description of this podcast to visit our GoFundMe page. We thank you in advance for your support. And lastly, if you have questions or want to get in touch, email us at dancewellpodcast at gmail.com.